Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sikhi Chas. Today is Days of, we are in Parshat Tvarim. Um, this is actually our 139th Sikhi together, Baruch Hashem. And I just wanted to share before we start learning that in living with the times and in the demands of more women wanting to learn more Chassidus and making it even more easier, that's not right, more easily accessible, um, to so many of us, we've had a lot of requests if we could add our sikhas to a podcast format. So, Baruch Hashem, with the help of my phenomenal niece um, and sister and supporters, we are going to start adding sikhas one by one, also to Spotify. So, as you are learning and sharing, we now have this in WhatsApp, you know, WhatsApp groups and in Google Drive and WhatsApp voice notes, and we'll also have it in podcast form. People are welcome to keep spreading this to other women who would like to learn, grab his words, in around 30 minutes or less so while we're on the go. And uh, Mr. Shiro, thank you so much. We've been doing this now for over five years, which is mind-blowing. And uh, pre-COVID times, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, continuing on with us and helping to spread with this. So um, we will start today with encouraging everyone to give them tzedakah and helping us to bring Mashiach and I believe we're continuing in line with a Hakal year of Project Gute Zichai. So Mashiro, thank you so much and uh, take it away. Thank you, Etsy. And I want to echo your shout out to Hana Shomer for her incredible work and in putting um, yes. all of this up on Spotify. And you said your sister, I'm assuming, is that Hannah? that helped you work on it? Yes. <laughs> thank you, Hannah, and thank you, Etsy, for voluntarily making sure that all of this happens. Um, okay, so, yes, in the spirit of Project Lekutei Sichais, we are going to be doing one of the Sichais of the week. It's in Chedek Chavdalid on page one, and very appropriate to a day that we're putting this out on Spotify because the message of the Sicha is, um, you know, staying on target as we're spreading chassidus, as we're spreading Yiddishkeit, and make sure that we're heading in the right direction because there are those very subtle areas and we need to be aware of them and make sure that we're, you know, doing things only in the proper way. So, Chomish Devarim. Aitem Pasuk, Be'ever Hayardein Be'eretz Mayav, Hayom Maisha Be'eretz Hatayra Hazais Maymar. So, here we are, Maisha is... In this week's Parsha, in beginning Chomesh Devarim, beginning to review a message for the Yidin before his passing, and the expression that the Torah says is that Maisha was be'er es ha-tayra hazais. Maisha explained the Torah. So, in Rashi brings this, and the Medrash brings it out as well. So, Zagan Razal, as b'shivim lashan pirsha lahem. So, what did Maisha do? He, he translated the Torah, he explained the Torah into the 70 languages. And then the Rebbe brings another Pasuk later on in Parshish Kisavai where we have another concept of this, that Maisha instructed the Yidin to write the Torah down, Be'er Hetev, and um, it's explained what does it mean, Be'er Hetev, that they wrote it down in, in all 70 languages. So this is the first example. This is our first time where we see this idea that you could take the original Torah that was given to us in Lashon Kadesh, and then it can be put into a different format. It can be put into a different language, which is exactly what we are doing right now. Um, and like so many people are doing in the way that they're teaching and learning Chassidus and learning Taira, we're translating it, we're explaining it, we're not just teaching it um, you know, straight word for word 
from the original Lashon Kaidesh or even from the original Yiddish of how it was originally given to us from the Ebeshter. So that's a wonderful thing. It's a very, very special thing. And yet we find, in contrast to that, that we have a story where there were certain leaders, certain sages of the Jewish people who were instructed by Talmei HaMelech, who were instructed by a non-Jewish king, that they had to translate the Torah into Greek. And it says about that day, I'm reading now in the, second, in the next paragraph down, that this day, Haya Hayim Kasha Yisrael, that day was as difficult for the Jewish people, Kiyayim Shana Egel, like the day that the eagle was made. Because the Torah couldn't fully be translated according to its need. So according to what we see here, it seems like a little bit confusing. What does that mean, the Torah, the translating the Torah was the day similar to the, the making of the Egel? We see that Moshe translated the Torah earlier on. We already have that in our, in our Parsha. And what does it mean that it couldn't properly be translated? What is, uh, if Moshe translated it, certainly one of the languages that it was translated into was Greek. So why is it such a difficult thing to take Moshe's original translation and, you know, give it to Talmud HaMelech, translate it the same way that Moshe translated it? So this is our confusing question. What is so off about the translation that they had to do if we, re- if we already have a precedent for it in the times of Maisha Rabbeinu. Certainly what Maisha did was not only not a wrong thing, but a very wonderful thing, a very positive thing, to take the Torah and to make it accessible in all 70 languages. And especially such a harsh term that's being used, that it's being compared to the day that the eagle was made. Like what, what is so horrible that we would compare the translation of the Torah in Greek to the um, day that the eagle was made? So in order to appreciate that question, the Rebbe says, let's go to another place, another Gemara, where we have a similar comparison going on. And this is on page two in, on, in Ice Base. This expression, that it's a, a day similar to the day that the eagle was made, we find a similar thing in Masech Shabbos. And what's the story? There was a, in, in most situations, whenever there was a difference of opinion between Shammai and Hillel, between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, Usually the majority of people went along with Beis Hillel, and therefore the majority of halachis go according to Beis Hillel. But there was a certain day that the majority of people who were in the Beis Medrash that day were people who followed Shammai. And the Gemara says that what happened, that day Hillel was like bound before Shammai, as if he was one of the students of Shammai. And that day, when Shammai's opinion was the opinion that ruled, was as difficult for the Yidin, as difficult as the day that the eagle was made. Wow. So here we're seeing, is it such a terrible thing that the Psaq went according to Beishamai, that we're comparing it to the day that the eagle was made? So once again, we're having a similar question. How can we use such a harsh expression to describe what doesn't seem to be such a terrible thing? And um, more significantly, what's the common denominator between all three of these events? So we have the day the eagle was made. We have the day that um, the sages translated the Tyra into Greek for this king, Talmai. And we have the day that Beishamai's voice was the voice of the Psakalacha, over the voice of Hillel, and Hillel was sort of like bound before him, and his opinion was not readily going to be heard. So in order to understand this, Rebbe says, let's pick a little bit more specifically on the exact wording that both, the, the expression that's used both when it comes to the translation by Talmud HaMelech 
And over here by the Gemara, when Beishamai's um, rulings were the ones that overtook the base measures that day. It doesn't say that it's as difficult for the Yidin as, making the, as, as um, serving the Egel or Chete Egel. It says, as the day when the Egel was made. So let's zone in on those words, the day that the Egel was made. And let's go back into the story of Chete Egel, and let's try to remember exactly what happened over here. So there was a process that went on by Chete Egel. It wasn't instant you know, that they immediately did a horrible, terrible sin. It started out first that they had this grand idea. Maisha hasn't shown up. We need to have some way to connect to the Abishar. Oh, we have a great idea. We're going to make ourselves an ego, right? And Arain, so to speak, backed them up, meaning like allowed it to happen, allowed them to collect. And um, they finally put it together and they actually made an ego. Did they do the, uh, the Avera of Avedazara that day? They didn't. There was no terrible sin that was done that day. As a matter of fact, Arain said to them, Machar, tomorrow, Chag Hashem Machar, tomorrow there's going to be a Yontif for Hashem. And what he was trying to um, ensure was going to happen was that by tomorrow, certainly Moshe would come. And Moshe would make it very, very clear that the eagle is not the proper way to serve Hashem. And it would really end up turning into a Chag Hashem Machar. It would really turn into a Yontif for the Eivishter. What ended up happening, however, is the next morning, which corresponds to Shavasar Batamos, the, the Satan got everybody up nice and early and super excited, and before Moshe could arrive, they already jumped up and started their you know, singing and dancing and service that they did before the Egel. And by the time Moshe came, they had already sinned the terrible sin of Chete Egel. But if we take ourselves back to that day when the Egel was actually made, the day, the day the Egel was made, nothing terrible actually happened that day. What happened was the potential was set up for something that could unfold into something terrible. So now we can understand why we compare these two events to the day that the eagle was made. Let's go to the translation by Talmud HaMelech. The day that they translated, that itself is not a terrible thing. The translation itself is not a terrible thing. It's not wrong and bad to translate the Torah into Greek. Moshe did it. However, it put us in a position where there's the potential for there to be distortion. There's a potential that someone like Talmai Hamelech, who's coming in with the wrong perspective and with the wrong mindset, could now open up the translation, could misread the meaning of the Torah, and could come out with a totally you know, wrong interpretation. I think the most famous example is the opening Pasuk of the Chomish, Bereshis Bara Elaikim. If it would just be literally translated, you could think that there was some sort of God named Rashis, like the original first God, and he was Bara Elaikim, and this other God created the God that we talk about, who we call Elaikim. And Tom, I could walk away with proof for Avaidazara that there could be, you know, more than one God. So if something on its own is not necessarily wrong, but it creates the potential for there to be, you know, further issues that could unfold from there. That's the message of what it means, that it's difficult as the day that the ego was made. Not that the ego alone was the sin, but it created the potential for the sin to happen the next morning. So too, when it comes to the story of the day that Shammai's voice ruled the base Medrash, that day alone was not wrong. It's okay. It's the proper halacha, that if he's the majority voice in the base Medrash, that the halacha goes according to but it created the potential that possibly going forward, Shammai would end up being the stronger voice, the chlal going forward, and that you know, for all future halachas that would be paskined, we would not paskin according to Beis Hillel, we would rather paskin according to Beis Shammai.
And because there was the potential for that to happen, that everything would be in that more harsh, um, strict way, that's why we consider it a day that was as difficult as the day that the eagle was made. Not that the day itself was an issue, but the potential of what could have unfolded from that day is what was difficult, is what was so hard. So that's our initial understanding of how the three of them connect to each other. But let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go into this a little bit more. Let's understand what exactly was going on on that day, the day that the eagle was made, and let's see how that same concept is going to show up both when it comes to the translation of the Tyra into Greek and when it comes to Beishamai and Beishilo with Beishamai ruling over Beishilo. So go to page 5. And we're going to start with the second to last paragraph on the page. Dihaspara bazeh says Yadua. It is well known. There's so much conversation that goes on. What in the world was going on? What was happening here when the Yidden came forward demanding to build an eagle? As Yidin habenitkem mantan inyan fanavaydazara chasvashalam. So the Mefarshim explained to us they were not looking to serve avaydazara. We're talking 40 days from Har Sinai. Rather, what happened? They were looking for a leader to lead them. Maisha did not come down. They thought they had lost Maisha. And so they were looking for someone to replace Maisha. They weren't looking for someone to replace the Abish there. As they themselves put in the words of the Pasuk, We don't know where Maisha is. So let's, let's understand a little bit better what's going on over here. What does it mean to replace Maisha? What is Maisha? They were looking for that connecting figure between them and the Abish there. What is this based on? And this is a godly concept. Hashem himself set up a, a system where he appointed a leader. It wasn't directly Hashem taking them out of Mitzrayim. It was through this leader. So they're looking for something that the Abishter himself put into place. Like the, like, like the Pasuk says, So Hashem himself set up a system where there is a, a, an actual mimutza, there's a go-between between himself and the Yidim. Nitter Eibeshter Alein, nor Dorch Meisha, Alts Mimutza Tzavishin Dem Eibeshin Yidim, top of page 6. So the Eibeshter himself set up the system where there is a mimutza, there is this go-between between himself and the Yidim. And so the Yidim were following that, you know, that system that Hashem himself had made. What's the reason why the Eibeshter wants us to have this mimutza? So, we could believe it. We could have, we could have a relationship with the Abishar on the level of belief, but the Abishar wants us to connect to him with all of our kaches and nefesh, with our understanding, with our feelings, with every single part of ourselves. That we should really be able to wrap our minds around this concept of elokus. And so, how does Hashem do that for us? He gives us an isha elokim. He gives us a godly man, a neshama beguf that becomes one with Hashem, and through that godly man, we can now grasp with our minds what does it mean, something like the Eveshtar, what does it mean to have elokus, what does it mean to have holiness in this world? And all of us who you know, are Bar Hashem, very familiar with the relationship with the Rebbe, totally get how this works. Not Hashem that the Rebbe is God, and the Rebbe is a replacement for the Eveshtar, but a Rebbe is one who makes very real to us, not just in a belief level, but in a very grounded, down-to-earth level, what does it mean that a lacus is the real deal? 
So that's what the Yidim were looking for, and that is a Torah concept. That's a Hashem concept. Hashem is the one who brought that into the world. So we all know that the best way to serve the Abishar is not just on a level of Amunah, not just on a level of Hashem being something lofty above and out of our world, but much more grounded and a part of our world. This is something that Hashem himself put into place very soon after Chet Egel, we have the instruction to build a Mishkan. Go to the top of the second column on page 6. Think about what the Mishkan was. Just like they collected gold to make that Egel, they collected gold, right, and, you know, in such contrast, and they go and they make a house where Hashem can rest. And what was the most important piece in the Mishkan? The Arain with the Kruvim. And in those Kruvim, Hashem Shekhinah rested, and between those Kruvim is where they heard the voice of Hashem. So it's not such a crazy concept to have a piece of gold where the Shekhinah can rest, and they can now hear the word of Hashem. So now we can understand what the Yidim were trying to accomplish. They were trying to have the same thing. And as a matter of fact, they actually experienced it by Matan Taira. It was inspired by Matan Taira. Because by Matan Taira, they all got to see the Merkava. They saw the Peneshar. They saw the face of an ox, which is one of the figures on Hashem's heavenly Merkava. And they said, let's bring it down here into this world. Let's make that something that's part of our world. And that was the original goal of the ego. So on that day when the ego was made, the goal was not of Eidazara. The goal was not to reject the Eibishter. The goal was to connect to Hashem. How are they going to connect to Hashem? Using the same figure as the Pnei Hashar. Just like the idea of Maisha. Having a Mamutza, having someone who would be that connecting force between them and the Eibishter. It's not such a wild concept. So we see that there was actually place for as Aaron said, Chag Hashem Machar. And what would have happened if Moshe, if the Yitz, if the Satan had not gotten involved, Moshe would have come down, he would have shown the Yidin their mistake, he would have shown them that they, this is the wrong type of Mumutza, you're looking for the wrong thing, and he would have shown them that only when the Abishter puts that Mumutza into place, where Hashem appointed Moshe, you know, to be in this position, only then is it a Mumutza HaMechaber, only then is it going to be an intermediary who will connect you, who will link you to the Abishter. And if you go off on your own and come up with your own grand ideas, not only are you not connecting to Hashem, but you're creating something that's against Hashem. So the concept was not off, right? The problem was that they weren't doing it coming from Hashem's command. They weren't doing it coming from Hashem's instructions. It was their own made-up stories. It was their own kach, and therefore it ended up completely off the deep end the next day when they actually ended up going all out, and not only not connecting to Hashem, but going against Hashem, serving of Zara. So let's just summarize in one line. What's the, what's the theme of the day the ego was made? The theme of the day the ego was made is people can mean very, very well. They can even be doing things that have sources somewhere in Tyra, but if they're not doing it based off a connection to Hashem, based off a mitzvah, a tzivah that was given to them by the Abishter, through their memutzah ha-mechaber, they can end off they could end up not only not following Hashem's instructions, but doing something that's completely negative, that's completely against Hashem's instructions. So what we ended up having is that the day the ego was made created the, the ability, not, not that it actually happened, but it created the potential for there to be uh, another force, another, um, 
what seems to imply that there's another power in this world other than Hashem. All right, now let's see how that shows up in our other two stories. Let's go to our story when it comes to the translations of the Torah. So we started out with the translation that comes to us from Moshe Rabbeinu. In our parsha, when Moshe translates the Torah into 70 languages, or when he instructs the Yidin to inscribe the Torah in 70 languages, because it's coming from a, a directive of Moshe, a directive that comes to us from the Eivishter, it contains within it the original Kedusha, the original holiness, the original you know, connection that the Torah has with the Eivishter. And so even when it comes out translated into another language, or you know, transcribed in another tongue, it still maintains the original connection that it has with the Eivishter. And I feel like this message alone, we have to like stop and think about this because we all live in a time where we are busy translating Tyra, right? And we're busy giving over Tyra in our own words. And we have to realize how important it is to maintain the connection to Maisha, to maintain the connection to the original Kedusha of Tyra in whatever it is that we're giving over. Now let's contrast that with what happened with Tamai HaMelech. Tamai HaMelech is not the Eidishter. It was his instructions. So he comes with his Gaisha cup and he gives his instructions. And he says, okay, I want you to translate the Torah for me into Greek. And not that they did something wrong, but it created potential. It created potential that this could be misused. This could be misconstrued. When someone read Moshe's translation, the presence of the Abishter was so obvious in Moshe's translation that you couldn't misunderstand the words, Voracious Baralakim. But when you're reading a translation that came at the order of Talmai, then you could read it and you could say, oh, maybe there's this other god named Voracious, and he was Baralakim, and he created, and he created you know, the second god. And you could end up with this mistaken idea that there are two Rishuyas, that there are two separate powers. And that's the connection between the Egel and the translation that came about in the times of Talmai. On the day of, they're not necessarily wrong, but there is that very subtle potential for what can turn into misconstrued understanding. And how far can it go that it creates the potential for there to be two Rishuyas, two different powers at work? There's not only our one, Achtas Hashem, Enaid Movadeh. And the antidote to that is to make sure that everything we're doing is clearly linked back to Moshe, clearly linked back to the Tzivay Hashem. Is this something that the Abishter is commanding us to do? Is this something that Moshe is commanding us to do? Okay, now let's talk about Beis and Beis Hillel. And here it's extremely subtle. And the Rebbe uses the words, Dakos Shabbatakos. I don't want this to be misunderstood because it doesn't mean that Beis is Chas Shalom of Zara. Not at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. It's an extremely subtle area. And I think that it's very important to talk about because we all face subtle decisions where we have to you know, understand the world and understand how to deal with the world. And here we can see, not that we're doing something wrong, but how there could be the potential of what could go on to end up being misconstrued. So what happens here with Beishamai and Beishillel? The approach of Shammai is the approach of Gevura, is the approach of Din. The approach of Hillel is the approach of Chesed, is the approach of Rachamim. Not that one is wrong and one is right. They're both the views of Tyra. However, when you kach primarily in the voice of Din, what you're saying is that the world is in conflict with Hashem, and the only way to solve that is by putting down a strong vura, is by fighting against it. In other words, when you see something as a threat, 
that's when you need Gevura. That's when you need the approach of Gevura. So, and again, in a very subtle way, I want to repeat that again. It doesn't mean Shammai is viewing things in a wrong way, but in a very subtle way, the consistent, non-ending approach of Gevura implies that the world is its own Matthias, is its own powerful force, and it needs to be controlled, it needs to be contained, it needs to be fought against with the approach of Gevura in order to prevent it from overtaking you know, the power of Hashem. What's wrong with that? Because what we're, what the real way or the way of Hillel is to see the world as one with Hashem. And therefore we can approach it with chesed. We're not scared of the world. We're not overwhelmed by the world. We see clearly how this is Hashem's world and how this world is open and ready to be a home for Hashem and can be used to be a home for Hashem. And that's why Hillel was matter things. That's why Hillel allows things because he sees how those things are not in conflict with the Abishter, but rather how they can be used as part of the Abishter's vision. And so this is our very, 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 very subtle but important correlation between the day that Shammai's voice was the voice in the base medrash, and how does that connect back to the day that the eagle was made? Just like on the day the eagle was made, in, in and of itself it was not a wrong day, but it created the potential for there to be this concept of two separate forces, something that opposes the way of Hashem. So too, the approach of Shammai, which is, and again, if Shammai's voice had become the only voice or the primary voice going forward and passing all halachas, what would have happened? The, it would have like strengthened this mindset that the world is in conflict with the Abishar, that there are two Rishuyas, and we have to like fight the world in order to prevent it from overcoming the voice of Hashem. And that, in that way, we had that like very subtle danger similar to the day that the eagle was made. Now, Baruch Hashem, it's not what happened both when it came to the story of translating the Torah into Greek, we find that the sages who ended up translating the Torah had tremendous Ruch HaKadosh, and they all made sure to translate it in such a way that not only was Talmai, um, you know, not convinced of the truth of Avedah Zara, but rather it made a huge Kiddush Hashem, and it was very, very loud and clear that there's only one Abish there, and it ended up having a very wonderful ongoing impact, and, you know, even among the nations of the world. So there was a danger, and the danger of Baruch Hashem was able to go in the right direction. So too, when it came to the story of Hillel and Shammai, although that day Shammai ruled, but going forward, Hillel's voice is still the primary voice that Paskins, and not only that, but we find that um, Hillel had a good influence on Shammai, and in a number of places, Shammai himself is makol and is able to see how the world is able to be one with the Abishter. And so we have like what we call hiskalus. We end up having like a very positive outcome that goes on. And as they say, all's well that ends well. Even when it comes to the story of Cheta Ego, which is a, a really hard one, but bottom line, Aaron's words still ring true. Because what did Aaron say? Aaron said, tomorrow is going to be a yantif for Hashem. I'm going to read Aaron's words exactly. I think it's machar chag Hashem. Tomorrow is going to be a chag Hashem machar. Tomorrow is going to be a yantif for Hashem. And bottom line, the day that he was referring to was Shavasar Batamuz. What was the hint? So the Arizal tells us that, and by the way, the Arizal's yard site is coming up. Um, and the Arizal tells us that actually this Pasuk where Aaron says that is a hint to the fact 
that yes, Chag Hashem Machar, the day will come that Shavasa Batamas is going to become a huge yantif. So it's actually a hint that yes, through the whole process of going through Chet Egel, and then from there coming to a place of Tshuva, Yidin will transform the day of Shavasa Batamas and turn it into one of the greatest Yom Taivim for Hashem that will ever occur with the coming of Mashiach. And all of that klipa and all of that negativity will be elevated to Kedusha in ways that we never fathomed, in ways that we never saw possible. So there is a grand plan that the Abishtar has in mind. But what's the message of how this is going to apply to all of us? We have to realize that there are areas that can look um, dangerous, and they're really the way to go. And there are areas that can look very positive, and they have the potential for tremendous danger. And the biggest difference, what's going to be the... Uh, you know, the piece that's going to make the biggest difference is where's our connection to Hashem? Where is our connection to our Maisha? If we have that Sivo, if we have that Safsa V'chibor to the Ebeshter, then the translation is positive. The translation is not only positive, it's wonderful and we can feel and see the Kedusha of Hashem coming from it. If Chas V'shalom, we don't have that, then we're putting ourselves in a very, you know, treacherous position and things could, we have to be very aware of what direction things can go. Let's see how the Rebbe explains that in Oisya Beis. The Yeshleimar as al derech zeh is aich benegea dem targum hatayra and shivim lashem medaras hachiyach reinim. So too do we see this coming up with translations of Tyra that come up in our in our times. Ubefati mayanis from pnimis hatayra ki yadua v'kfektushas marvachami admor hatzich mishtadu given as mezal metargem zayin in yani pnimis hatayra b'shivim lashein. How much the Friedrich Rebbe and Alachas Kama v'Kama of the Rebbe worked so hard to have Chassidus translated. That those who cannot learn in the original Hebrew, or in the original Yiddish, that they too should have access to these wellsprings, to these living waters. And what happens when we follow the instruction of Maisha, when we, info- when we follow the tzivoy that's coming to us from the Abishar to translate Chassidus into all of these languages? We're actually able in this way to transform and to elevate and to refine these 70 languages. Not only how the languages are included in Lashon Kaidesh, but actually we can go down really low. Each language on its own can be refined, can be elevated by using it as a language with which we teach Chassidus. Taking these concepts, taking these ideas, and bringing it down into the vernacular of how the people speak. And not only the language is refined, but the nations of the world are refined by using their lingo, by using their language to be giving over these deep concepts of chsedis. How do we know we're on the right track? We've got to make sure we're doing it connected to the Rebbe. We've got to make sure we're doing it connected to the Tzivoy of the Abishter. And when we will do this, when we will translate, and not just literally translate, but explain in the words of the countries that we live in, then we will hurry the coming of Mashiach. 
because then the Navi tells us Hashem will transform all the nations to speak a pure tongue and to call out in the name of Hashem and to serve the Abishar together. And all of these days, the days of Shavasar Patamos and finishing the three weeks with the day of Tishabav under Siyam Pandi Yimei HaMitzarim Vashabim Zich Angahayim Shavasar Patamos with Tishabav that Zayna Yantif Gadol like Aaron said Chag LaHashem Machar it's going to become a big Yantif Bekar Mamish Babias Mashiach Tzadkinu. And I just want to show you how the Rebbe points out here. This sicha comes from a sicha that the Rebbe said on Rosh Chodesh Shvat. And if you go down to the little star all the way on the bottom, Rosh Chodesh Shvat is the day when Maisha actually said the Torah in these 70 languages. And that day, Shvat, is a very important month when it comes to our Maisha. Yud Shvat is in the month of Shvat. And we have to remember that what gives us the ability to teach Chassidus in all these other languages is our connection that we have with the Rebbe, is our connections that we have with our Maisha. And from there, we're able to translate in a way that not only is it not dangerous, but it has huge positive impact. So I want to share a story that I heard that I think um, brings out this idea. I heard the story from Rabbi Manus Friedman. And he said he once went to a Kiruv convention, and he met there someone who was not a Lubavitcher, but was involved in some, some sort of Kiruv work. And this person was a single man. So he came to Arbor Freeman and he said, I heard you, you know, I've heard about you that you run an institution based Chana, and you're constantly involved in teaching women. How do you, you know, keep yourself in a proper place? How do you make sure that everything is appropriate you know, when you're, of course, it's very important to be teaching these women Tyra, but how do you make sure that everything stays appropriate? So Rabbi Freeman told him two things. He said, number one, you have to be married. He said, there's, I think, a clear halacha that a single person should not even be teaching in a, in a boy's cheder because of the inappropriateness of meeting up with the mothers of the boys. You have to be a married person. That's number one. And number two, he said, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't on the Rebbe's shoulders. In other words, I do this work only as the Rebbe Shliach. And that's a very important message when we're going to be making all of these very gray area kinds of decisions. We have to make sure that we don't have two Rishuyas, we don't have two different powers in our lives. There's not this voice and that voice. We have one voice. And that's the voice of the Rebbe. It's the voice of Tyra. We have to always be asking ourselves, is this the way that the Rebbe wants me to do this? Is this the way that the Rebbe wants me to approach this? Is this the way that the Abster has commanded me to handle this situation? If I can add my own two cents, maybe I'm over time. At the, I don't have a clock in front of me. But um, I've heard so much thrown out there, people um, having, I guess, criticism of whether it is okay or not okay to be accessing modern psychology, using therapists, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to finding tools that people may need in their lives. Is that, is that the way of Tyre? Is it the chassidish way? Is it not the chassidish way? What we need to be asking ourselves again and again is what does the Torah want us to do? What does the Abishter want us to do? What does the Rebbe want us to do? And that is why we need to have Rabbanim and Mashpiim. When we go to a therapist, when we get guidance from a psychologist, we have to know that we're accessing this because this is what Torah wants us to do. Because this is the Torah way at this time. And if it becomes its own Kayach in and of itself, then we're off track. But when we're doing it as part of 
what a yid needs to do in this world, and we're accessing it only because this is what Tyra wants us to do, that not only is it not something that can take us the wrong way, it can actually be something very positive and good. So our takeaway is we need to re-strengthen again and again and again what is our connection to Tyra, what is our connection to the Rebbe, what is our connection to the Abishter. We have to make sure that we're constantly being in touch with Rabbanim, with Mashbiim, with the words of Tyra, with the words of Chassidus, and you know, making sure that we're accessing the, the real source of where everything has to come from. And to be aware, to be aware of those subtle moments where we could end up going one direction or another, not from a place of fear, but from a place of empowerment, that these are tremendous opportunities, and when they are used correctly, when they're used properly, they can accomplish amazing, incredible things. And so on that note, I'm, I'm very excited about going up on Spotify, and I hope that Hashem will give us the uh, opportunity that we should only be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not a little scared. I hope that all of my words are being translated properly and explained properly and in the way that the Rebbe wants us to do, and it should reach you in a good and proper way. And the main thing is that we should see already today the Chag Hashem, the Yanta for the Abishar. Amen. So I have to ask, as I'm learning this, you know, there's a part of me that's like, yes, I have to make sure I'm more connected to make sure I'm learning. But in a, you know, in a position of teaching, which I'm often in that position, and I'm sure many people who are listening are, I, I can't say I always know exactly, uh, you know, the right thing. And so while there's inspiration, there's also fear, like you mentioned at the end. Like, maybe I should just back off. You know, perhaps the person should not teach or should not share or should, should just kind of lay low so you don't make uh, issues. <laughs> so what would be some, some thought processes to help that? Um, I have to just give you a warning that Miriam just joined me, so we're going to see how far No problem. Goes. Um, <laughs> um, listen. I, I think that it's always easy. You know, we learned that Sikha a long time ago about Kalev and the fears that he had going off as one of the Miraglim. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all know we're the Rebbe Shluchim. You're the Rebbe Shlucha. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, that you were sent to do this. Do you have your fears? Yeah, you have your fears. Be aware of them and take them to the aisle. You know what I'm saying? Like, take them, take them where they need to go. But it doesn't mean that you dump your Shluchas just because you're fearful. There's a great story. I, I don't remember which Rebbe it was, but there was a certain Chassid who... Um, was very, very scared about taking on the responsibility of Shechita because, you know, who's going to really take a chayas for this kind of thing? And I don't, right. maybe it was the Machadik said to him, so what, we should have someone who's not fearful? You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, be aware of the achrayas and, um, and be aware. And I think the main thing is, like, we have to keep checking in with those questions of, is this the way the Rebbe would want me to say it? Is this the way the Rebbe would want me to do it? And if we're not sure, that's why we have a Rav, that's why we have Mashbim. Okay, I don't know if that's, uh, if that's, uh, that's a good... Enough, but, uh, <laughs> we have an achrayas, what should I say? But uh, let's good. hope we also have an empowerment together with it. Right. I guess the other story that comes to my mind is about, you know, Chassidus in the gutter. Like, we do the best right. we can, and maybe sometimes we mess up a little, but we do the best we can. But I think, it's, oh. I think the message that's also really important is to stay away from the, the mentality of the of the shnei rishuyes. 
like these two different powers. Right. There's not like, let's say like when it comes, I, I hear this all the time, people say like, oh, like the voice of psychology and the voice of Tyra. There's no two different voices here. There's one voice, the voice of Tyra. That's it. Sometimes Tyra tells you to, you know, find the latest research and use it. You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's, yeah. that's, I think it's very, very important not to give strength and credence to anything else but Tyra. And one of the things that Tyra right. tells you to do is use these resources. Right. Well, and if we understand, like, from the Sikha, it's Shem's world, right? Like, it's the Shem's world. It's not the world yeah. as a separate force. Right. It's Shem's world. But in the Shem's world, we have a lot of tools we'll need to use, which I guess are on the Sikha. we giving them any more credence but the fact that they are Hashem's world. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't have right. a power of their own. Right, right. Thank right. you so it's much. Always fun yes. being with you. Um, we went yes. way over time. I apologize <laughs> for all the mothers That's on good. the go. It feels like a real, on the go. It's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> all, right. All, right. all right. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a good time. Bye. Bye.